0: My name is Santaford J. Clausewitz, but you can call me Santa Claus. I fly around the planet delivering gifts and coal to the children of Earth. My sleigh is pulled by eight tiny reindeer. On Dasher, on Donner, on Jasper, on Peggy. Go now, Hubert, and and go Roger. And the gifts will be plenty, (laughs) ho, 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 ho. Santa Claus is here again to podcast and produce on your face a lovely grin. Leave your chimney clear and open, because I'll be coming down and hoping for some milk and cookies left by your mommy or daddy. And if they don't leave them for Santa, then they'll get coal in their fanny. (laughs) Ho, 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 ho. Holidays.
1: Yeah. My name's David, for real. I'm not Santa Claus. John,
2: hi. Hi, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. How are you feeling? Yesterday, you told me you were feeling kind of blue, and then... uh... Then I woke up this morning in sunny
1: California to a text from you saying, oh, BBB is dead. And I thought, the Backstreet Boys bus is dead? And then I remembered that BBB stands for Build Back Better.
2: Yeah, Joe Manchin went on Fox News Sunday this morning. Perfect uh, place just to add salt in the wounds to announce that he's done. And then he released a, an actual official statement confirming that.
1: Who knows? I'm so tired who? of thinking about this
2: guy. Then the White House came out and basically were called happy. him a liar. Yeah. Which that's that doesn't sound good. You know, you never want to. Never want to insult somebody you're trying to convince. But maybe at this point. I think at this point, I mean, yeah. We gave you a year, Joe, to pretend
1: you had actual like, fiscal objections to BBB. And you dragged it out for a year. You wasted a lot of time. And then he goes on Fox News. His quote was something like, listen, man, I've tried everything humanly possible to support this bill. I literally moved into a shack down by the river to clear my head so I could think Um, about ineffable inflation risks versus the fact that this bill takes place over 10 years. I went on a hunger strike to clear my mind so I could reconsider my, my objections about deficits, could try to reconcile that with the fact that the bill basically pays for itself. I've done everything humanly possible, and yet I still can't support this bill. I can't imagine what the people, all the progressives who didn't want to decouple the infrastructure bill from Build Back Better. Are they feeling very frustrated right now? I wonder.
2: And then everyone got mad at them for, for not voting right. for the infrastructure bill. Yeah, well, they said they gave away their, uh, somebody gave away their leverage. <laughs> somebody gave away their leverage when we split it. It wasn't the progressives, but they did cave in the end. Uh, and, and they gained. And, they're, yeah, and now they're saying we shouldn't have. But maybe it'll still pass. Maybe it'll still pass. And that this just, you know, we just, we're just getting down to brass tacks.
1: I thought we were at brass tacks like three months ago
2: when they went to Joe Manchin and said, write everything you want on a piece of paper. That'll be the bill. So the White House claims that he he was ready to sign a $1.8 trillion bill that he had brought to them but I guess he's changed his mind on that and he wants to to write some more stuff. Or he doesn't want to do anything anymore. My impulse would be like, fuck
1: you and walk away. But of course this is, you know, the bill does have some consequence uh, vis-a-vis the future of planet Earth um, because of the environmental stuff.
2: Yeah, if the Democrats were going to do anything, you know, it, yeah, the importance of the climate, you you could see potentially just cutting the bill in half just to get the climate stuff in. That would be really painful. But, I mean, when you're dealing with terrorists, people are always like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah, listen, when one person has all the power, you have to negotiate with them. Kirsten
1: is so pissed right now. I haven't heard about Kirsten Sinema in, in weeks. Yeah, she, she,
2: I mean, in some ways, it's, it's, she said everything had to be paid for. So, in some ways, the fact that every, not everything is paid for is, um, and that's what he wants, is, is sort of her fault. It's like they're playing off of one another.
1: My prediction is Joe Manchin at this point will never vote for any type of bill. They could cut this thing down to 52 cents and be like, yeah, it's 52 cents over 10 years. So it's actually only 5.2 cents per year. Mm-hmm. I still think Joe Manchin will be like, yeah, I'm not, really, I'm not really feeling it. I just can't go back to my constituents and explain this bill to them. I think it's over. I think it's I think Bill Backbetter is is done. I'd be happy to be wrong, as always. I would be happy in my infinite wisdom to be proved wrong. But I think at this point Biden should just be like, all right, fuck you. I'm just gonna pass a lot of crazy executive orders. Eat shit, Joe Manchin. Mm. Why didn't why didn't Joe Biden go to Joe Manchin and say, hey, listen, man, you vote for my fucking bill or I'm gonna sick the DOG on your on your corrupt daughter Jack and the price of EpiPens or whatever that was all about. Right. Why didn't Joe, why didn't Joe Biden call Joe Manchin and say, "Hey man, if you don't vote for this bill, I have this executive order where we're going to drop a huge metallic dome over West Virginia and you guys are just going to have to suffer."
2: Because he sees Manchin as a colleague because Biden still sees himself in the Senate and he's just too collegial. He obviously thought that he could he could bring Manchin along But if this is truly, if this is the end, then Biden takes a huge hit because nobody's going to believe him when he says, I mean, that was part of the, when they split everything. He was like, we'll split it. I'll take care of Manchin. Trust me, guys. Trust me, progressives. I got you. He took care of Manchin. Yeah, he took care of Manchin. I still think there's a chance and it's not based on anything other than there's just no way it can't pass. And You're saying the
1: size of this fail would be so unprecedented. Yeah, it simply cannot exist in the known universe.
2: Yeah, now it's not going to be anything the same. It may only be 0.5 trillion, but they're going to pass something, and Joe Manchin is going to write the entire thing, and it just has it has to be done. I'm see, I'm taking the more extreme view. I think it's
1: done. Done. Joe Manchin is going to be like. That statement from the White House hurt my feelings, and I realized there's no point in, co- in, in cooperating with them anymore. Yeah, you might be right. When I read that statement from the White House, I was like, ooh. They've been in this situation for months and months and months. What do you want, Joe Manchin? We'll do whatever you want, Joe Manchin. You're the president now, Joe Manchin. We bow before you, Joe Manchin. Tell us what you want. And he gave them what he wanted, and then he still said he couldn't vote for it. I think it's done. All right. I think there's going to be a little rinky-dink voting rights thing that has nothing to do with anything, doesn't even address Republican state legislators taking over elections and just deciding to void election results they don't like. There'll be some fake voting rights thing and there'll be, and then there'll be some fucking thing about how license plates can have, you know, Harriet Tubman on then or something and that's it. And then in the midterms, the Democrats are gonna be gaining. Yeah. Well, that was a good segment. Okay, let's move on to everything else on our list. How's your energy there, John? You, uh, what's going on? You don't It's seem- not great.
2: I got to okay. tell you.
1: It's not Why? great. I'm
2: tired. I'm, um, you know, Christmas, it, it wears me out.
1: Christmas it's hasn't dark. even started. It's not even the first day
2: of Christmas. I know. It's, a, it's an anticipatory stress. Some people have this. We're also, we're recording on a Sunday. We don't usually do this. That's so this true. We should say it's a little thrums. weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. Everything's off. And I can't remember anything in our planning call. Do we write it all down? It's all here. In, are you not in? Oh fuck! I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's horrible. Something. All the stuff in here is horrible. But I remember discussing some fun things.
1: Oh really? Like what? Nancy Pelosi saying that members of Congress are capitalists and should be able to trade stocks. <laughs> I love how the I love how the one thing I've heard from Nancy Pelosi that's broken through in the last two <laughs> months with all this all this stuff about yeah. this fucking Omicron variant and. And, and the Build Back Better collapsing. The one thing I know Nancy Pelosi feels <laughs> strong about is, she, is that members of Congress can trade stock because we live in a capitalist society. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, Nancy, I think the last year has reminded all of us that we live in a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. I had to go to Walgreens and pay $25 fucking to get a COVID test. Oh, you know, did I'll be, you get it? People who don't have $25 have to wait in line for 100 hours. But
2: they get reimbursed.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that's that. You simple. Can, yeah, that's simple. Yeah, that's simple. I forgot that you can file to your insurance company to get a reimbursement for your COVID test.
2: Yeah, all you do is just log onto a website and hit a button, and then they just— Yeah, the that's The money what comes happens. out of your computer. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs>
1: Nancy Pelosi. We are a free market economy. They should be able to participate in that. It's like, yeah, we're all participating right now. It's working really well. <laughs> you know, a global pandemic is when the free market economy really starts shining, right? And you're like, God yeah. damn, this is efficient as hell. This is so efficient. The invisible hand is is killing it right now with, with handling COVID and everything. Oh, Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi. Then I got a text from her. I was getting so upset about that comment about living in a capitalist society. And then, and then I get this text. I couldn't believe it. This is one of those texts you get where your phone is like, maybe this is from Nancy. Do you know that feature where It's not the person. Hi, this is
2: Nancy. The person is not
1: in your contact. Your phone is like, I think this person's name might be Nancy. David, it's Nancy Pelosi. I was like, holy shit. This is from yesterday, Saturday. We're about to embark on a historic election year that will make or break our Democratic House majority. (laughs) I don't know why these things make me so angry. I need six more Democrats from your state to step up to defend our democracy and democratic majority from Republicans who are out to unseat us." I was like, you only need six of us? Is that a funny joke? That was good, right? Maybe I, maybe it's the delivery. I was like, you only need uh, six of us? That yeah. was a little bit better. Now, here we go. I, I looked at my phone and I was like, um, <laughs> you only need six of us, okay? And then she said, can I count on you to become a 2022 founding member before midnight by pitching in $25 right now? John, I'm not going to lie. I replied and gave her a little piece of my mind. And then I also texted stop to stop further messages from her. Wow. Kind of extreme. Extreme. Yeah. I don't get anything from Nancy Pelosi. Maybe she doesn't need anyone to step up in your state. Remember, this was sent to me in my capacity as a Californian. She said she needed six people from
2: my state. I get stuff from Kamala all the time. Oh, what's she talking about? I don't know. Let's
1: see. Not canceling student loans, resuming student loan payments in 2022? It's
2: Kamala. With so much work ahead, we all need to dig deep heading into 2022. Donate $15 to the DNC. Well, at least they're they're adjusting their message, not at all. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love
1: to give money to the DNC after a triumphant year of a Democratic administration. Love to do it. Let's just go through the incredible week that we've had. Just the last week or so. I'm just going to list some things, John. You tell me. If they're good or not. Yeah. Tell me if they're good or not. Okay. Okay. Well, Congress obviously went into recess earlier this week without doing Bad. anything. Okay, moving on. The defense budget, though, did pass. Thank God we were able to put our differences aside. $768 billion, <laughs> which is about six times the size of Build Back Better. That's
2: right. And even more than I think they More than they asked for. asked for. Love it when yeah. that
1: happens with the defense budget.
2: All right. What's your verdict on that? Uh, that's bad. Uh, we
1: already discussed Nancy Pelosi defending Congress trading stocks at her press avail. That was good. Oh, wait. No, I shouldn't tell you. Was that good or bad? That was bad. You don't like that messaging right now? You don't think that resonates with uh, average voters right now?
2: No, I don't. I, I can't imagine who that would resonate. I mean, I I don't even think Republicans would be stoked by that. Biden restarting student loan payments next year? That's not great. I mean, the timing isn't great with COVID flaring up again. No payments to children separated from their families at the border. New decision. Uh, the New York Times had some good news. Okay. Oh. What's that? They did an investigation into a bunch of civilian drone oh God, deaths. I read that the the yeah. Oh, I did you read? I read part of it and was like, I can't do it. I I can't do it. Their big
1: investigation into all the civilians killed by drones, and then the complete lack of accountability, and then you know, oh, yeah, <sighs> loving it, loving it. Let's keep going.
2: Uh, <sighs>
1: Skip the next one. We don't even need to talk about Elon Musk calling Senator Warren, Senator Karen. It's too stupid.
2: Donald Trump isn't in jail for January 6th. I don't understand what's going on with January 6th either. Yeah. Um, And then this,
1: oh, here's the worst one. John sent me this TikTok of this guy he thought was so funny. (laughs) He kept insisting this guy was like a good actor and had amazing comic timing. He, he was. And we're not going to name who it is, or we're not even going to describe the video in case it's beloved by our listeners. But man, that's got to be the most generic, listless, so-called comedic TikTok performance ever. You sent me that video yesterday. I think I was in a headspace where I was uniquely unprepared for, for your insisting it was great, and the guy was acting, quote-unquote, just like a real eight-year-old. That guy brought yeah. nothing to his TikTok video. Nothing. No, I didn't. think that's what sent me into the depths of despondency. That TikTok, yeah, video. was him.
2: him <laughs> Look at you laughing at it. It was, it was <laughs> so dumb. Him talking to one of these people that was saying, "Um, let's go, Brandon." It's really funny, and we're gonna keep doing it because it makes you guys so mad. <sighs> and then he said,
1: eh, "Are you really? just really to make TikTok us that video. mad?"
2: Uh huh and good then stuff. he played himself uh, again yeah. where he was like look at you you're so mad anyway it was good check it out your <laughs> pal Austin on TikTok the worst just not the sure worst not sure if he's done anything else funny but I laughed at that just
1: the worst oh and then this Amazon warehouse this tornado
2: when did that happen
1: was that in the last week
2: yeah, it was one of the longest track tornadoes of all time, something like 200 miles. Uh, and the Amazon warehouse collapsed. A bunch of employees were out on the road delivering packages saying, we want to go home or we want to come back to the warehouse. We're out in the middle of the road and there's sirens going off and the dispatchers back at the warehouse were like, bro, Amazon says don't come back. It's just a warning. The, si- and the And they're talking about the sirens. They're like, the sirens are blaring. Don't worry. The sirens are just a warning. A warning. They're just a warning a that a tornado, tornado is approaching. Tornado's coming. And to take shelter. Or, I mean, to keep delivering your packages. And then once it was too late, they were like, all right, take shelter in the bathroom.
1: So at least they finally got to use the bathroom. That's good. It would have been yeah. worse if they said, yeah. <laughs> Take shelter in these bottles you've been pissing in because no one's allowed to use the bathroom. And also, they're (laughs) not allowed to have their phones on the warehouse floor because they might just play Candy Crush all day instead of shipping packages. So, of course, they couldn't get in touch with their family or anything because they don't have access to their phones. Oh, really? I got to say, I really don't understand. I mean, and this is easy for me to say because I don't buy anything. It really stuns me that people still use Amazon. Dude, it's incredible, Amazon. if, If this was Walmart everyone would be like, oh, Walmart. And they just say, I'll never go to Walmart again. But there's something about Amazon and its branding
2: where it's just like... It's not branding. What is it? Just that they get the boxes to you so quickly? Yeah, it's just that you order something, it costs four cents and it's at your door in three minutes. That does sound like an incredible bargain. Is everything three cents? Not everything, but um, yeah, you can buy a bunch of counterfeit KN95 masks on there for like twenty three dollars for a hundred or something they'll be at your door in 12 hours the guy will show up and be like yeah man
1: i had to outrun a tornado to get here i really wanted to go home to my family but they said i had to keep driving Here's
2: your mask. Enjoy your life. I don't need to hear that. I'm like, "Ah, ah, ah, thank you. I
1: know you don't want the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, it's like— Enjoy your masks, and I hope they keep you alive, unlike me, because I am being refused shelter by my employer during a time of a tornado. No, but it's the same reason why
2: people keep eating meat, you know? They just don't want to think about it. Right.
1: Everyone has their—everyone has blinders and certain things, right? So good for you for sticking it to Amazon. Yeah! They say, Kid Midas really hasn't used Amazon in like two and a half years. That's really impressive. The last thing he bought were these little bags. It was my pencil shaving bags back when I had a little pencil sharpening business. It was the one thing that I could only find on Amazon for some reason. Interesting.
2: I bought your your present on Amazon.
1: Fuck my life.
2: You're supposed to go to Reverb.com. Reverb.com? I mean, if I bought something from Reverb.com, it probably wouldn't be here till mid-January. Who
1: cares? I don't care. Where am I going?
2: All right, that's a good point. What happened to the good old days
1: of waiting six to eight weeks to get something in the mail? That six to eight weeks of divine anticipation—that's half the fun. Or the good old days where you had to go to the store and get it. You yeah, get go Grindle's to the store. Catalog. The oh.
2: best catalog. Or the Spiegel catalog. Oh, those sweaters that used to be in the Spiegel catalog. I don't know anything about that. I just know that you
1: had Sears, the Wish Book. The Sears Wish Book. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, man. All those football sheets. Remember when you could get your whole, you could get a whole yeah. bedroom set that was like Pittsburgh Steelers themed?
2: Yeah, your parents would just hand you the catalog and be like, look through this and pick out your Christmas presents. You would just like circle some things. Man, that Godzilla, that plastic Godzilla with the little flame that came out of his mouth, man.
0: Whew.
1: That was some toy. It's too expensive for my family though. I think it was a really expensive toy. But a man could dream. I mean, that's why it was called The Wish Book, John. I'm sure of it. You would wish for all the things in this wonderful book. Yeah, you're right. I don't want to do this podcast. It's this too depressing today. Let's just talk about the best Christmas gifts we ever got. Okay. I'll go first. One of the best Christmases ever. Mm. You ever have one of those Christmases where you get, you know, how you get one big gift, but then… You also get like a second big gift. Yeah. You just feel like you're on top of the world. There was one Christmas. I can't believe this is true. But I think there was one Christmas when I think I was in fifth or sixth grade. I think I got a stereo and a bicycle. How is that possible?
2: Wow. How is that possible? I got a three- That doesn't seem likely. Yeah, the stereo, that was... I don't remember what year it was, but when you got that stereo, that was
1: big. When you got that realistic stereo with the turntable and the tape deck and the
2: radio. Everything built in. I mean, I took that thing all the way through college.
1: Oh, man, those realistic stereos were so good. Weighed about three pounds. They were so cheap. (laughs) Exactly. And then I think I also got a three-speed bicycle the same year. And here's the thing, John. They were both silver. And there was a time in my life, I think in fifth or sixth grade, or maybe it was seventh grade, where I very deliberately said, I need to upgrade the aesthetics of my bedroom. I'm no longer a child. It's time to put away childish things. I need a bedroom that reflects my new interests. I wanted to be a car designer. I wanted to be an uh, exotic car designer. And I was really into Miami Vice. And my parents agreed. They said, All right, we'll redo your bedroom, we'll remodel. Here's some paint palettes, here's some catalogs for sheets and whatnot. John, you remember my bedroom in this era gray walls with dark gray trim, dry mounted Lamborghini posters. Yeah. A drafting table with a nice red lamp on it, adjustable lamp so that I could design my cars and my fashions. This is when I was all about design. And then the most adult, sophisticated bedding you can have checkerboard pattern. Mm Yeah, Black and white squares up on my pillowcases. So you would walk into my room and look around and say, how can this kid only be in sixth grade? This is the most muted, sophisticated palette. The only colors are gray, red, black, and white. How did he do it? Even these Lamborghini posters are muted. The images are shadowy, evocative. Right. It would be a Lamborghini Countach. That was the best car and it said, body by Lamborghini, stereo by Alpine.
2: And is that the most sophisticated thing ever? Was the poster framed or was it on no, that? No, it was dry kinda-
1: mounted. The most ex- exotic, advanced thing you could do back then.
2: Right? It was. You would never get something framed.
1: We went to University Mall and went to the print shop and got them dry mounted. Right. Probably cost $50. Kids today don't even know about dry mounting. These kids, they're lost. Yeah. Dry mounting just turns it makes it stiff. They, they put some kind of weird plastic backing on it, and then it starts to bow over the years. It's never completely <laughs> yeah, flat, yeah, it, it gets does. all warped. But we yeah. don't care, man. This is the dry mounting lifestyle.
2: Yeah, but that is how you were sophisticated. I did the same thing. I had, um, I had some checkered uh, tan khaki wallpaper, <clears throat> and uh, I had a dry mounted Michael Jordan. Yeah. As well as a dry mounted skyline of Manhattan. Yeah. You were into
1: skylines back then?
2: Of course, yeah. I had no idea. I don't remember. And then I had a huge life-size poster of Belinda Carlisle. That was not dry-mounted because that would have cost, you know, my college fund to do that. I do remember you were quite taken with Belinda Carlisle,
1: who was recently, John, did you know this, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of what band? The Go-Go's. Exactly. Exactly, turns out Belinda Carlisle. I didn't know this, but she spent quite a few years in Cocaine City. Really? Oh my God! Yeah, like decades. It was pretty bad, actually. Mm. But yeah, you were really into Belinda Carlisle.
2: Whew. Yeah, beautiful.
1: What was it about the checkerboard pattern that in that era was just like the most grown-up pattern you could
2: even imagine? Checkers is a child's game. Why? W- I are- think we just copied what we saw in la- in movies. You know, it was like you watched a John Hughes movie and, and you're like, had a these guys are cool. Case. Look right. at this bedroom. It's got a weight set and checkered, you know. We should really call it a chessboard pattern because that
1: implies a level of sophistication to which we were aspiring. It wasn't, it wasn't okay. that I had checkerboard pattern pillowcases. I had chessboard pattern pillowcases. There was a coldness to my aesthetic. <laughs> of that, you may be sure. But there was also... A tastefulness, a sense of refinement, a muted palette, striking angles mirroring those of the legendary Lamborghini Countach, 350 horsepower, eight miles to the gallon. Base price back then, the most money that could ever be imagined by a sweaty sixth grader. And yes, over on that draft table, which of course was angled just the way he had seen Bill Keane, his former hero, author of The Family Circus, sitting at his angled drafting table... What was displayed upon that drafting table? Oh, only sketches of the most mind-blowing fashions and cars that could ever be imagined by Michael Mann, creator of Miami Vice, the single greatest aesthetic influence on David Reese's entire life. Oh, the cars with their fins and their aggressive posture and the fashions with their clashing patterns and neon hues and cool haircuts and, yes, wraparound sunglasses on the models. Life was simple back then, John. Anyway, that's just a little trip down memory lane because we don't want to deal with our current reality. I mean, what is there to say? Everything sucks right now. We're ending the year. I remember at the beginning of this year, we were kind of cautiously optimistic. Like, you know, Biden has some fairly progressive advisors. He seems to want to do a lot of stuff. You know, it was back in January, Ossoff and um, Warnock had just won their Senate seats in Georgia, right? It was so exciting. Like, maybe something will actually get done. Maybe he'll be a more progressive president than Obama. He'll certainly be more successful. Now it's the end of the year, and look at us. Battered and broken, having wasted months considering all this stuff. And to what end, John?
2: I mean, it could have been worse. We could have not won the Senate. We barely won the Senate. So, we could have not won. And in the future, the very near future, we won't have the Senate anymore. So... If you think things are bad now. Just wait. Yeah. John, let's
1: continue to live in denial for a moment.
2: Okay. Uh, What I want for Christmas is I want um, boots like hip waders. I don't know if they have to be full hip waders, but just like really tall boots because— yeah, I don't know. Thinking about all the fish weir stuff this week, I wanted to sort of get back to my roots, walking in the woods, in the old road beds, looking for the old Native American trading path in this area, walking the many creeks and rivers, looking for arrowheads or old bottles, things like that. And it's sort of difficult to get to a lot of these places if you're just, or to see potential artifacts pottery, you know, broken china, anything like that. It's sort of hard to see because we have a lot of trees and there's leaves everywhere. You really need to get in the creek. And it's wet down there. So I've decided that's what I want to do. You want to get back into some creek
1: stomping, put on some waders and get in the water and start looking around for artifacts?
2: Yeah. I mean, what you do is you get down there and you bring a bag and you actually pick up a lot of trash while you're there because that's... That's mostly what you're going to find. But every once in a while, you find something interesting, like a a brick that looks like it's from colonial times or some, yeah, old Indian pottery. Uh, And if you're extremely lucky, which I have been on one or two occasions, you find an arrowhead. Really? You've actually found arrowheads? Real arrowheads? Yeah. I would love to find more, but it's just so hard around here.
1: Why? Because it's all been picked over? I don't know, maybe. Or
2: maybe I just don't know where to look.
1: Your thing about arrowheads and walking around in the woods and trying to find arrowheads, I have a similar thing, which is that when I'm walking in a neighborhood or an urban environment, I always fantasize about finding some funky old keyboard or tape recorder in the garbage. You know, someone's throwing it away and I can grab it. That's only happened like twice in my life.
2: Yeah, but it's such a thrill, right? Oh my God,
1: dude. It happened the day, my last day in New York City. I was walking... I had spent all day moving. Everything was loaded up. I took, I took like three years worth of coins to the CoinStar, my favorite device, the greatest device ever made, where you dump all the coins in and then you can get real money back. I was walking home, and finally, on my last full day in the city, I saw the thing I'd always fantasized about. On the side of the sidewalk in the curb was an 80s Casio keyboard. I was like, I can't believe I'm getting this gift. New York is saying goodbye to me right now by giving me the one thing I've always fantasized about. Took it home, cleaned it, totally works, modified it, used it on some recordings. Amazing.
2: Amazing. Do you ever go back to that same place? See, I've done that with Arrowheads. No, I didn't because I moved. Like, it was my last night in New York. It was gone. So maybe that would have been a place that would have continued… (gasps) to provide. It was your honey hole. My honey hole? It was my honey
1: hole. Is that a thing people say about arrowheads? Yeah, that's what
2: they say. So I I found like a broken base for an arrowhead and then a little, little tiny one. I mean, it was hardly anything. Anyone who collects arrowheads would not be impressed at all. But I was just like, I can't believe this. And I just kept going back and back and back to the same spot.
1: Why would you keep going back to the same spot? Well, there might have been a camp
2: there. There Oh, I see, I see. Right. Yeah, you know, or there was something about that place that, that uh, was pretty, you know, maybe it was an erosive area, you know, there was some erosion, and that's why they were being uncovered. So, usually there's a reason for why things are where they are. Whoa, okay. I'm telling you, you should have got, you, if you had stayed. I could have I kept going kept back to going that apartment back, building because maybe there was
1: somebody who was throwing out slowly 80s, cheap 80s keyboards. Yeah. Oh, God. Now I have to fly across the country to check again. Um, all right. So you want waders because then you can get in the water, yeah. And are you going to be investigating these fish weirs as well? Do you want to talk about fish weirs now because we got a lot of we got a lot of listener feedback at contact at electionprofitmakers.com about fish. yeah, weirs.
2: I'll be investigating these fish weirs. I, I want to start a like a fish weir clearinghouse for all the fish weirs. I know the probably the North Carolina. Department of Cultural Resources and Archaeology probably knows where they all are and they don't want to publish that information. But I kind of want that information to be public so people can see them. Nobody's going to steal a fish weir. It's
1: too big. I had never heard of fish weirs until last week's episode, frankly, when you were talking about it. I didn't know anything about them.
2: Well, I've grabbed the Twitter Handle at Fishwears. Okay, that's a good first step and, um, for spreading the regis- word. Registered the domain name fishwears.org. So Okay.
1: That'll be the future site of your of your nonprofit center for explaining and celebrating Fishwears, Ancient Fishing Technology. Did you grab ancient fishing technology.com? No, but I could am I might that's, that's a, a tough, one. that's a very tough URL. So John, why don't you start reading through some of the feedback we got about these fish
2: weirs, because this really resonated with some of our listeners. Yeah, Max writes in, I'm a fish biologist in Wisconsin and loyal EPM listener. The fish walls episode was like an early Christmas present.
1: You're welcome, Max. You were a very good boy, so we decided to give you an early Christmas
2: present. If you had been a little stinker, you would have gotten coal in your stocking. Now check this. Max says, I volunteer to host a podcast with John about fish-based infrastructure. We shouldn't limit ourselves to weirs when there are also fish ladders, Fake. fish elevators Fake. and fish wheels out Fake. there in the world. Is this guy doing a I, bit? What? Is this a bit? What what's he talking about? Fish wheels? Fish elevators? No, no, those are those are things. Mm. Um fish wheels anyway. I didn't look up fish elevators. Okay. I mean, this guy's a fish biologist. I don't think he's doing a bit.
1: I don't trust this guy. Let me look up his last name and see and confirm he's really a fish biologist.
2: Yeah, you're right. We do need to fact check some of these people. He says, okay, here, he, he, this is a good joke. He made a good joke. What? I humbly propose the podcast be called Build Bass Better. Wow.
1: Bass. Perfect timing on that joke, Max. Fish. Perfect timing. Build Bass Better. I forbid I'm all, you from working. If work, someone wants I forbid to you, you. that. John, I forbid I, you from working with this fish biologist. Okay. Holy shit. He works for... <gasps> Okay, he's for real. whoa, this guy's a real fish guy. Wow, yeah. he's legit. Oh my God! I don't want to out him, but let's just say he's dealing with fish on a at a very high level in Wisconsin, and we'll just leave it at that all right based on what based on what I just saw. This guy knows from fish, and he has a position of some not insignificant authority when it comes to fish in the state of Wisconsin. And to and to reemphasize, John, I absolutely forbid you, absolutely forbid you from hosting a fish technology podcast with this guy, Build Bass Better. Stay in your lane, Max. I'm the one who makes the funny jokes. I'm the one who makes the amazing puns. Here's one to try on, everybody. How about Build Back Bitter? Ooh,
2: little political edge there. You like that, John? Yeah. Hey, we got another letter. Oh! Hi, John. Regarding your latest episode where you talked about ancient infrastructure, thought you might be interested in this organization called the Trading Path Association, which can be found at tradingpath.org, created by Tom Magnuson, who lives in Hillsborough. The organization attempts to locate and document early trading routes in the early colonial southeast. Happy holidays, and thanks to you and David for making me laugh a lot during the pack walks. What's a pack? Signed Annie, and Annie is the other half of Hickory Hounds. What is Hickory Hounds? Hickory Hounds. Mike, the dog trainer. Fucking dog trainer
1: again. Oh my god! Business
2: partner. When she says pack walks, does that mean she's walking a pack of dogs? Oh my god! Is she ever? Ugh! I'm telling you, you see Mike and Annie out there. They're walking. Tons of dogs. And they've got total control. They're amazing. I'm telling you. Dog whispers. Hickory hounds. Check them out. All right. We don't... What This is not... A- but I just wanted to say, the Trading Path Association, Tom Magnuson of the Trading Path Association is a hero of mine. You've heard about this guy? Yeah. Once I found out about the Trading Path Association, I pretty much got obsessed with all these old roads and using uh, GIS and LIDAR to find... These old roads, using ancient or colonial overlay maps and things of that nature. Uh, and yeah, I've actually been on a hike with Tom Magnuson before. <gasps> was it exciting? Yeah, it was very exciting. I mean, I'm sure he, he has no idea who I am. Right? But he, yeah he he's he's a he's a road scholar, if you will.
1: <laughs> oh. oh, even in the depths of darkness, politically one. Pun delivered like that just lifts my spirits and makes everything seem like it's going to be okay. A road scholar, for you see, dear listeners, this man's specialty is old-timey roads, and since he knows much of that topic, we can call him a road scholar. But not the road scholar you're thinking about, where you get to go to England and study for free because you're a dork. No, no, no. Try spelling road R O. A-D, there you are. Yes, write it down on that pad of paper with a pencil. Now look at that version of road as you say, this guy is a road scholar. (laughs) The warm feeling in your heart, that's called delight. And there's plenty more where that came from. Thank you, puns.
2: Roads are important. Yeah, it's a good thing we passed the infrastructure bill. Roads. Back in the day, roads were like the, the internet. That's how you got your information you wanted to stay very close to the road. As Tom Magnuson said on this hike, he said back in the 18th century, if somebody came running past you on the road, you probably wanted to catch up with them because something something
1: was chasing them, like there was bad yeah, news, something was going down. Something was going on, right, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that's how people got information by being close to the road. And there's lots of artifacts and history still in those old road beds.
1: And maybe some old Casio keyboards that you can circuit bend.
2: God, wouldn't that be amazing?
1: (laughs) If you found an ancient Casio keyboard on one of these ancient Indian trading paths? Yeah. That sounds like a sci-fi movie. Imagine that, a sci-fi movie where you're, you're with Tom Magnuson on these trails and you find an artifact, you find some arrowheads, you find an old piece of earthen pottery, and then something gleams and you clear the dirt around it, and it's a Casio, 80s-style Casio keyboard, but you take it to the lab, and they carbon-date it at your lab, and they say, it doesn't make any sense. This is, this is 1980s-era
2: technology, but this actual device is from 200 years ago. And then— I don't think they can do carbon-date data that close. So I think you're going to have to say it was like 3,000 years.
1: No, in the movie, they can do it within a month. And they say, oh, okay. but this okay. is from January of uh, 1821. Ooh, this is ancient aliens. They came to earth and they had a rock concert and they left one of their keyboards behind. Then the movie is about that. Yeah. It could be called, it could be called the the mysterious keyboard. Is that a good name for a movie? <laughs> <laughs> that'll do, that'll do Bafo box office. Yeah. Okay, we got one more. All right, keep it coming. Fish weir, the fish weir feedback is out of control.
2: Yeah, Stephanie writes in, Hey, John, when I Googled fishing weir, one of the first pictures that came up was very familiar. There is a famous fish weir here in Taiwan in Penghu County. I always thought it was supposed to be two hearts, and it was kind of lame, but I didn't know it had a cool purpose. There are actually many weirs in the archipelago. Some as old as 300 years. And they even have a stone weir festival in spring where (gasps) tourists can try and catch fish themselves. That would be amazing. I haven't been to Penghu yet, but I want to. And now I'll definitely go see the Twin Hearts Stone Weir. I'll send you a pic when I do. Thanks for being interested in everything and passing it on to to your curious listeners.
1: So I looked at this email she sent. The Twin Heart Weir... It looks from above like somebody just made like a, you know, Valentine hearts in the water with rocks, right? Right. And she was like, oh, that's kind of cute and cheesy. But it
2: turns out it was actually obviously designed to channel and catch fish, right? Right. And these, this is a coastal weir, I believe, where they would catch fish by the the tide coming in and the fish <gasps> getting caught in there as oh. the tide would then go out. So this is a, sort of a different type of technology than were yeah. used on these rivers. But it's so beautiful. It's got to be the most beautiful weir. If you search, you know, pictures of stone weirs, it's the one that just comes up over and over. Penghu, so,
1: you search Penghu County fish weir? Yeah. You think that's the number one most beautiful weir?
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: I kind of like the ones that are just a straight, straight line of rocks under the water.
2: Yeah, those are cool too. Just
1: a nice diagonal line. There's something about it I find very satisfying.
2: But then we can get into the wooden weirs, which nah, they I don't found in those. places under Boston Common when they were building the subway there. I don't think it's called the subway in Boston. It's called the T. The T. The Red Line. Um, that used
1: to be my line. There was a guy who'd sit on the platform every morning. This fucking guy. He was like a master whistler. He would play guitar and whistle. And every morning when I, something about the timing of my commute, he would always be strumming and whistling one of my least favorite songs, which is by a famous COVID grump named Eric Clapton. It's a song called You Look Wonderful Tonight. Having to stand in that cavernous tea platform and listen to this guy whistle. You know that song, You Look Wonderful Tonight? I think that's Mm -hmm. what it's called. You put on your makeup. But he's like, but he's better than that because that sounded pretty good. (laughs) You're combing your long blonde hair. We're going to a party. And I can't wait to get there. And then you look at me and you say, do I look all right? And I say, yes, you look wonderful tonight. (laughs) And then the sappiest guitar ever.
0: It was like... (laughs)
1: Oh, shut up, Eric Clapton. Shut up. That's what I have to say about that. Anyway, yes, yeah. the T. The T is what it's called. Sorry. Went on a little diversion there. A little trading path. Uh, my trading path went off
2: into the woods. Apologies. Continue. Uh, no, that's. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, maybe some people reached out to me on Twitter, too. But uh, thank you, everybody, for your fish weir stuff and all the stuff. Like three different people wrote in talking about the trading path, so. Maybe that's going to be a recurring topic. I'm telling you, the trading path, that's awesome. I tried to mention this last week, but John Lawson's book, which was published in 1711, I believe, but he wrote it in 1700 to 1701. He was a young English surveyor who came to the Carolinas and surveyed the back country and wrote all about Uh, the colonists that he ran into, the natives, and it's a really interesting book. And people have tried to recreate the path that Lawson took just based on his physical geographic descriptions. Uh, And of course, Lawson was on the trading path at various places. And what's the name of the book? It's called A New Voyage to Carolina. And have you read it? Yes, I have read it. Did you like it? It I loved it. Really? Yeah.
1: John, I'm glad you have all these other interests because otherwise, this week's episode would have been truly unbearable and unlistenable.
2: Yeah. I'm
1: sorry, man. I'm fucking depressed, straight up. No. Straight up depressed about all this stuff. I can't believe we're entering a third year of this fucking COVID disease. What the fuck, y'all? God damn. Why isn't the government shooting COVID tests and drugs and money at all of us? I gotta go reimburse my fucking health insurance company for this fucking COVID test? This is insane. What the fuck did we do for the past year, Joe Biden? What the fuck were you doing? Nancy Pelosi texting me. Oh, we only need six warriors to step up and donate $20. You're trading stocks every damn day. Your husband's worth $100 million at least. Pay for it yourself. I'm supposed to be excited about you after this week? Come on. Fucking Amazon making everyone hide in a bathroom. They probably don't know where the bathrooms are because they're not allowed to go there. They're like, take shelter in the storm in the bathroom. They're like, you never told us where the bathrooms were. We have to pee in bottles so John can get his boxes quickly. Oh, this is just one of those weeks where it's like, yeah, I don't know, guys. I don't know if this is working. (laughs) I don't know if this is working. God damn. So thank God we got to go on a walk in the woods with Long John Silver and look at some old arrowheads, some old Casio keyboards from Alien Technologies, where I would have been in my wits fucking end. 2021 can go eat a donkey's ass. What a shitty year. I was so excited for this year. This year sucked. A second sucky year. I can't believe it's about to be 2022. And 2022 might suck, too. We have to get so into arrowheads and trading paths. John, we have to go live in the woods. I'm not
2: even kidding. Oh. No. We got to go make a little Trust hut me, and live
1: in the woods.
2: Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm always on looking out to buy land somewhere in the middle of nowhere. I just want to own some land to to be mine.
1: Fuck a duck.
2: To just dig around in. I just want to dig in the dirt. Let's go dig. Let's host. A, let's 2022.
1: We're going to host a podcast just about digging in the dirt. And it's just called Dirt. Fuck. <laughs> That's the name of the yeah. podcast with two exclamation points. Yeah. Man, oh, boy, awesome. oh, boy. To quote the famous, what was he, a literary theorist? I think he's still alive, Frederick Jameson. It is easier to imagine the end of the world than to imagine the end of capitalism. That's a quote I've thought about probably more than any other quote over the past two years, because that's truly where we're at right now. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Who knows what 2022 will bring? Uh, we will tell you that there are going to be some changes to this podcast in the new year. We're going to be going completely independent. We're taking our leave of our our friends at Radio Point, but we're not quite done with the Radio Point relationship. This legendary partnership that was extremely lucrative for all involved. Average annual revenues exceeding $3 billion, actually. There's still a few more episodes left with our friends here. But then John and I will be heading out into the woods, so to speak, completely self-funded and independent. We'll have much more to talk about uh, when the date approaches. That that will most of that talk will probably be us shamelessly begging you to join our Patreon, patreon.com/electionprofitmakers. But in the meantime, next week we're probably going to take the week off because it's Christmas and blah 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 blah. So we'll either post a Patreon episode or a rerun or who knows what we'll do. But uh, basically, this is the la- this is our last time we'll speak to you this year, guys. And I would just like to say 2021 was not all great. I don't care what they're saying out there. I think it wasn't all great. And if you made it through this year with us, we thank you for listening and we thank you for joining us on this roller coaster ride of wins and losses. So I would just say happy holidays, everybody. Hang in there. It's the same sentiment we say every episode. Hang in there, guys. So, uh,
2: whatever. John, do you have anything you want to say? No. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll see you guys in the new year. Election Profit
1: Makers is still a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell with help from our friends who have really been helping us, Houston Snyder and Kat Patreon is patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers, and you can correspond with us at contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Checkerboard lifestyle. It's the checkerboard pillowcase lifestyle. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Okay.
2: That's good.